Welcome to Westport Road Baptist Church. We're so glad you've decided to join us for today's message. Westport Road Baptist Church is located at the corner of Hurstbourne Lane and Westport Road in Louisville, Kentucky. If you have a Bible, please have it handy and prepare your heart and mind as our pastor, Chip Pendleton, brings us the Word of God. Good morning. I'm French Harmon. I was greeted at the uh, entrance this morning by a wonderful uh, lady. Is she in the uh, audience today? She said, uh, there you are. Thank you. She said, you look just like a preacher. I don't know how to take that, I guess so. That's actually happened a time or two before. I was in a, a restaurant and someone said, you must be a preacher. I said, I don't know how you figure. She said, just the way you look. I'm like, okay. The greetings in the name of Christ on behalf of the Kentucky Baptist Foundation Board of Directors. We want to say thank you for the privilege. Uh, Brother Chip, thank you so much. Eric, I don't know how riveting I'm going to be, but I'm going to do my best. Uh, I'm riveting. Okay, perfect. I do want to say uh, what a joy it is to be here. My family will be joining me at 11 uh, for the service, so uh, we look forward to uh, coming worship with you, worshiping with you as a family, and uh, it's a joy uh, to be here. And I must say, choir members, you really did a great job. This is what a traditional service should be. Amen? And I love it. Beautiful. And Robin, I love that song, uh, His Eyes on the Sparrow. Wow. What a reminder. So this is kind of what you're going to get today. So just to let you know, I uh, pastored three different congregations in Kentucky, one in eastern Kentucky, one in northern Kentucky, and one in south central Kentucky. Um, when I was a 25-year-old single pastor in the mountains of Kentucky, I did everything I could to get out and build the church, and that was really important. And in those days, uh, Walmarts were starting to populate the area, and I went to a Walmart uh, one day after doing some uh, field work, and I got a few items. I thought, okay, this is going to be about $18. When I got up to the cashier at the time, they didn't have the self-checkout, it came up to $22. I looked in my pocketbook, and it's, I had a $20 bill. And I said to the lady, I said, well, I'm sorry. I'm just a poor Baptist preacher. I only have $20. She says, I know. I heard you last Sunday. And so uh, <laughs> that's what you have to look forward to today, and maybe not so riveting. But today I titled my message, The Rest of the Story. The Rest of the Story. How many of you remember Paul Harvey? Raise your hand. And he always would conclude in the rest of the story. Now at the 11 o'clock service, they may not remember it all, but you know, we remember it. Right? Here's what I want to tell you about the rest of the story. Christianity sometimes gets a little bit of a black eye. Some of it's self-imposed. A lot of it isn't. I want to remind you that without the Christian faith, without the Baptist work around the world, there wouldn't be many orphanages. There wouldn't be a whole lot of hospitals. There wouldn't be millions and millions of people hearing the gospel of Jesus Christ 
Think of all the good that's happened because of generosity like people like you. So much is being done to help in the physical needs of hurting people. Just in Louisville last month, there was, an, there was a gift made to the foundation that every year monies would be accumulated and distributed to worthy causes. So last month, actually a couple months ago, I had the privilege of going to different Baptist relief centers and some non-Baptist to dealt with, that dealt with homelessness. I went to recenter ministries. Did anyone know where recenter is? Right downtown. And we gave a large gift to that organization through this beneficiary. Uh, we went to the West Side and Brother Matt Smizer, he runs the Baptist Fellowship Center that literally is helping hundreds of underprivileged kids because of gifts through this beneficiary. And on and on I go. I got to visit and see firsthand what money can do. And that's the rest of the story. Today, I hope to be brief and share with you a passage that will impact every single one of us. Now, I do want to say thank you to my predecessors, both members of your church. Dr. Barry Allen. Dr. Barry Allen is a wonderful uh, leader in the Christian faith, and he's, I've, I'm working on the legacy that he built. So thank you, Dr. Allen. Thank you, Barry. And Richard Carnes, who's moved to uh, Tennessee. He was an amazing uh, leader of our organization and also a member of Westport Road Baptist. I also want to introduce Mr. Gary Montgomery. Gary, would you kindly stand? This is uh, one of our friends in the ministry. He is uh, the executive director of Compass Kentucky, and that is a stewardship education uh, organization. If you want to get some free literature, Eric, this may be a good opportunity, compass1.org, C-O-M-P-A-S-S, number one, dot org, provides free literature on stewardship. It's awesome. And so, Gary, you may want to stick around and people meet you today. But I want to read God's word, because that's why we're here today. If you have a Bible, turn with me to the book of Mark, chapter 12. We'll read four verses together, beginning with verse 41. And for those who are able, would you kindly stand? Beginning with verse 41, chapter 12. Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put and watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. Many rich people threw in large amounts, but a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins worth only a fraction of a penny. Calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, I tell you the truth, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. They all gave out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in everything all she had to live on. 
And may God add a blessing to the reading of his word. And may his name ever be praised. You may be seated. Jesus calls us back to the, tre- back to the temple to experience people giving. Now there were 13, they call them, Uh, baskets or trumpets that people would give offerings and uh, many people would come to be seen by putting in large sums of money but this poor widow came and put in they called them leptons small coins made up of about a penny or less what's the exactness isn't as important as the comparison. Some people do things to be seen, but this woman gave all that she had. Theologians said all that she had for that day, she gave to God, gave to the ministry. And this is an important lesson for each of us as Christians. We're all givers. You wouldn't be here if you didn't give to the church. I know that I'm preaching to the choir. But I also want to help show how God wants us to direct our gifts in many ways. And I want to say three things very short today. The first one is that Jesus watches us. It's right in the scripture, verse 41. Jesus watches us. He watched this rich these rich folks give and he watched the poor widow give and I must say he watches how we give he watches how we give our time how much time do you give to God we all have 24 hours in a day 168 hours in a week 731 hours in a month, typically, and 8,766 hours in a non-leap year. How much time do you give to God? How much time do you give in prayer? How much time do you give in service? How much time do you give in worship? I'm convinced that all of us have the same amount of time, but some do more with it for God. It's exciting to watch and follow ministers, but not just ministers. I call them regular church folk. I'm thinking right now there's a group of women and men that are serving in the youth group. They're serving, teaching Sunday school classes, practicing for the choir. This is what we're talking about, giving your time to God. And Jesus is watching. He watched these two groups of people, the rich folks and the poor widow. He's watching. He's watching how we give our time. He's also watching how we use our talents. Eric is using his time to help lead this group of legacy givers legacy committee that's an important gift that's an important talent but I'm convinced once again that God's not as much concerned about your abilities but your availability how available are you to God 
You say, I don't have much talent. I can't do much for God, can't you? I received this this week. It's a card. Handwritten. How many have received a handwritten card lately? My children probably have only done, done it on occasion. I'm trying to teach them how important this card is. If you do nothing else, if you don't hear anything else in this sermon, you can handwrite a card and mail it to someone and say, hey, Brother Chip, you did a great sermon last week. Keep it up. And if you want to give a gift, go ahead. (laughs) What am I saying? We all have talents. Use them for God. Jesus is watching. He's watching how we spend our time. He's watching how we spend our talents. As a pastor, I, I was always amazed at people that would give so much of themselves. But I had a couple of disabled folks that live close to the church. They're godly people. They just weren't able to move about and they had some disabilities. And they asked me one Sunday, they said, Preacher, we really want to do something for God. And our music director was, was with me at the time. He said, I can tell you what you can do. On Thursday morning, if you would come by and straighten up all the pews after Wednesday night service, put the pins back where they're supposed to be, pick up all necessary uh, uh, papers that may be lying around and just take care of that, that would be a tremendous benefit to us. Would you do that? And you know, for the next nine years, these people faithfully every week served the Lord. Now, I'm sure there are things around this church that can be done. But more importantly, I want you to understand that Jesus is watching us, how we use our time, how we use our talents. Do any of you like to eat? Yeah, we all like to eat. In our church, there was a lady called, we called her the food lady because she made the most beautiful of foods. And she would invite us over, my wife and I, any time we got the invitation, we would always say yes, if at all possible, because she was just a gracious and hospitable person. And she would invite us over, not necessarily to talk church, but to be a friend. And I had another lady that did the same thing, only she started what was known as the casserole club. I'm making myself hungry saying it. The casserole club. But every month, women and men would make a casserole too and put it in this large freezer that we had at the church. And then during the course of the next week or two, when people had an emergency, when people had a health scare, when people had a need, these, what I call ministers, would go and give these casseroles away. Isn't that a great ministry? It's a talent. Tell me you can do that. You can do that. Jesus watches how we use our time, our talents, and our treasures. He knows how much we give. He knew how much those rich people gave. He knew how much the poor widow gave. Jesus knows everything. He knows how much you give. 
how are you doing giving? Tithing? You say, I can't tithe. I don't have enough money to tithe. Well, start where you are and go up 1% every year. I'm going to challenge you this. If you don't, again, you may never have heard this before. But I'm going to encourage every member of Westport Road Baptist Church, as well as myself, to tithe your estate. You've given 10% to God your whole life. Why wouldn't you give 10% of your estate or more? I said this a few weeks ago at a church and the pastor got a hold of it, promoted it. And over the next several weeks, we've had numerous people call about this very thing. We, they want to know the language, how to tell their lawyer. We can help you at the foundation do that. And this is a blessing to the church. It's, it's a legacy. Imagine I was at Walnut Street Baptist Church downtown Louisville. They have a legacy tree. And every person that leaves something to Walnut Street in their will, they put on that leaf. That's how you keep your church going in good times and bad. So that's the first thing. Jesus watches us. And secondly, Jesus knows us. He knew those rich people. He knew that widow. He knew all about them. He knows all about you. As the scripture says, he knows and he keeps his eye on the sparrow. He knows the number of our hair that's on our head. Some of us less than others, right? I mean, it's okay. But he knows us. He knows all about us. And he knows what you can do with your life. How many of you like cars? Anybody a car enthusiast in here? Yeah. I won't know if I'm a car enthusiast. I like a nice car. No one makes sedans anymore. It seems like it's all SUVs. But um, I have a, I have four door. At the time, I had a four door sedan. My kids called it the, the funeral car. All right. And so in Somerset, Kentucky, where I pastored for. 13 years it's one long strip of lights and they're numbered kind of like Gatlinburg so at number 13 I knew we were number 27 it's like a long string of lights and so they have a car show once a month and sometimes you know they're exotic cars and different things like that one particular weekend it was actually the next day after the car show I was in my four-door funeral car stopped at a red light and a really fast-looking Dodge Challenger Black. You know what that is? A, a, a Dodge, I mean, it's like muscle car, right? And I'm sitting there at the red light, and the young boy that is next to me in the black Dodge Challenger rolls his window down, and I didn't know, he was like talking to me. He said this, he said, do you want to race? Now think of this picture. I'm in a four-door sedan, and he's in a Dodge Challenger. And I said, no, I'm good. <laughs> well, the light changed, and I looked over at him, and he was still looking at his phone. You ever seen that happen? You know? And so I peeled out, right? 
for like five seconds before he realized it, and then he quickly overtook me. But I had a five-second moment of like, I can do this, right? God knows all about our personalities. He knows us. He cares about us. In this particular situation, he knew how much these people were giving. And he knew the season of life that they were in. This woman was almost an untouchable. Widows in those, t- in those days didn't have a lot of money. But what she did have was a love for God. And I've seen people do a lot of good things with the money they have. I had a um, lawyer call me when I was pastoring and said, so-and-so has passed away and they've left a sizable sum of money to the church and they wanted you to know that they wanted half of it to go to the ministry of widows and orphans. I said, we can do that. Think about yourself for a moment. If you could direct money to any particular ministry in addition to your church, what would it be? We have people giving to the WMU because they want the WMU missionaries to always be taken care of. We have people giving to the homeless ministries and crisis pregnancy centers. All types of ministries that your monies can make an impact with. See, Jesus is watching us. How we give our monies. How we tithe. And he knows the season of life we're in. Now, most of you don't realize this, but I'm a 25-year cancer survivor. 25 years ago, you wouldn't have recognized me as a preacher. I had no hair on my head. I was in very weak condition. One person, and I preached every Sunday. I would take my treatments on Mondays and by Friday and Saturday I'd be strong enough to get in the pulpit and after it was all over by the grace of God and great medicine and great doctors and prayer I'm here today do you have any other cancer survivors here or anyone going in cancer treatments would you raise your hand praise God we have a lot in common it's not easy But as long as I have breath, I want to share the rest of the story. The rest of the story isn't that the church is bad and the church is just here to take your money and the church is here to manipulate, blah, blah, blah. That's not the people I know. The millions of people that are in church today all across this world are doing the same thing we're doing. We are bowing our hearts, bowing our knees to the one and only Savior, the one who died for all humanity, black and white, 
red and yellow. Jesus Christ died for the whole world. Jesus Christ can save you from whatever you're into and from the sin that separates you from him. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's our God. We worship not ourselves. We worship Jesus, the one and only Savior. Amen? That's the rest of the story. What we do with our money is a small part of what we do. But it leads to my third and final point. Jesus watches us. And he knows us. But in the end, he surprises us. He surprises us in this passage. Not on what is said, but what is not said. Nowhere in this passage and nowhere in this Bible are you going to say that your money can buy you heaven. You can come to Brother Chip and say, Brother Chip, I'm not a member of the church, but I'd like to give a million dollars. Would that ensure me heaven as my home? And he would say, no, it will not. For by grace are you saved through faith. That not of yourselves is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. You can't buy your way to heaven. At that point, I expect to hear an amen. Amen. (laughs) You can't buy your way to heaven. It might impress a preacher or some layman that you give a lot of money, but it's not going to impress God because God owns the cattle on a thousand hills and he owes the hills too. Gold is so irrelevant to God, he puts it on streets. You can't impress God. God with your little bit of money you're just stewards we're just stewards and for a little while it'll be in our possession and then it'll go to someone else but if you understand the power of money you can leave a legacy you can leave a legacy that will transcend time you can leave a legacy that will do good for eternity I like to say this If you start an endowment with the Kentucky Baptist Foundation, and one person recently did, they met with us, our attorney Austin Wilkerson, and they said, we wanted to give a gift to our church, and we want to make sure that every year the church has money from us, and we're going to give it to the foundation because you know it'll be cared for properly, and so they gave this rather sizable sum of money to their Kentucky church. And when I talk to the pastor, you can imagine how thrilled he is. But they're giving this sum that's going to produce, let's say, around $20,000 every year to their budget until Jesus comes back. Isn't that amazing? Giving money until the Lord returns which could be hundreds of years or it could be tomorrow. That's what you can do. Your legacy gift. Money can make a difference. And that's what I want to end on today. Money can truly make a difference. Jesus knew this woman. She gave everything she had for that day to God. Now, we're not asking you to give everything you have today. That's between you and the Lord. But we're asking you to consider 
what your legacy is going to be through your tithes and offerings. What you do does matter. God sees it. God knows it. And God wants you, just as this woman did, to be remembered for doing good. You can do good. So many people I've ministered to and have been affected by. I don't know too many billionaires. Do you know any billionaires? I mean, actually know them, not know of them, but know them. I've met a few in my day. There may be five or ten in here. I don't know, but uh, I've met a billionaire, a godly billionaire. And he said to me, he said, preacher, do you know anyone today that I could give $100,000 to that would change the world? Think about that question. Can you, can you know of anyone in your mind that if a person was given $100,000 would change the world? I gave him a response. And he called the person in. Talked to him. He called me back and said, I'm not sure he's the one, but I invested $10,000 in him and asked him to go make a difference. Wow. I want you to think about your giving the way Jesus looks at you. And just consider all the things you can do to invest in his kingdom. And when you do that, that'll be the rest of your story. We all have stories. But we're interested in learning about his story. Three suggestions as I leave you. Number one, tithe your estate it's a great worthy effort number two have Gary Montgomery in your church he's going to teach you about stewardship God's way number three do something I like to do and other people like to do do some secret gifts don't tell anybody else about them Just do something that only you and God know about. That is one of the greatest blessings you'll ever see. Okay. If you're not a Christian today, this may have been over your head like, I don't even know what this guy's talking about. Trust me, when you meet Jesus Christ, a whole new world will open up to you. Amen? The forgiveness of sins the new life in Christ, the fellowship of believers, and most importantly, in many ways, the promise of heaven. Let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in my, in my Father's house are many mansions. And if it were not so, I would have told you. I go and prepare a place for you, that where I go and prepare a place, there you may be also. 
And Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. I want you to bow your heads with me. Obviously, this has been a targeted message through God's word about giving. And I pray that you would consider what I've said. But more importantly, maybe you're not a Christian. You want to know him. Would you bow your head and pray this prayer to God? Dear God, right now I confess my sins. I realize and accept Jesus Christ to be my Savior. I ask him to come into my life. Forgive me. I promise to be baptized and part of your church. I love you, God. If you prayed that prayer in just a moment, Brother Chip will be here. And you come and tell him what you've prayed. Maybe you've been watching this on stream and you call the number of the church and let someone know about it and they'll be happy to help you. And others in the congregation, I'll be up the front after the service or maybe in the rotunda. If you have questions about anything I've said, come and talk to me. Father, be in this invitation. Speak as only you can and draw people unto yourself. For I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you enjoyed today's lesson and that it spoke to you. If you have prayer needs or want more information about us, we invite you to stop by our website, mywrbc.org, and click on Contact. Please use the word podcast in the subject line. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, keyword mywrbc. At Westport Road Baptist Church, we love God and love people. Please join us for Sunday morning service at either 9.30 a.m. or 11 a.m. We also have Sunday school for all ages during both service times. Thanks again for listening, and join us next week for another message from God's Word.